0: Tonight I want you to turn your attention to Colossians chapter three, and I know the last few Sunday nights, Brother Dale began this chapter for you and talked to you about putting off some things in your life, and then I think Nuge last week you talked about putting on some things. We we talked a little bit about this. Now this is obviously one of the perks of the pastor is that I can kind of assign which passage they're going to preach while I'm gone. Because I wanted to continue the study of Colossians and I wanted to put it in context of the idea of putting off and putting on because that's the way I see it in Colossians chapter 3. Really what Paul does is he comes back and he reminds them of their identity, of who they are. I mean they've been wrestling with these different philosophies and all these different teachings and, and of course they, Paul has magnified Christ. That's what you do when you find a lot of heresy and a lot of issues. You just magnify Christ. And he has done that. He has given us one of the greatest hymns uh, that you can find in Scripture of the excellency and the wonder of Jesus Christ in in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he took head on the philosophies that were out there that were trying to split the church or call people away. And then he just comes back and says, just remember who you are remember your identity in Christ. That's really what he's talking about in chapter three. Now, many times when we speak of our identity, we speak of it in relationship to something else. Perhaps we speak of our identity in a familial term. Uh, For example, I might would go back to Saltillo, Mississippi today and When I would be up there and somebody introduced themselves to me, I might tell them that my name is Reggie Bridges. And I might say that I am the son of Gerald and Yvonne. I'd probably just say Yvonne because my daddy's not well liked in those parts. But I could say that this is my identity. It's in relationship to my parents, the people that they would know in the area. Sometimes it can be a functional statement of identity. I may say to somebody around here, I introduce myself, I'm Reggie Bridges, and I might follow up with, I'm the pastor at Temple Baptist Church. I don't do that necessarily because that sometimes ends the conversation. When I introduce myself as pastor sometimes, it's like people are like, okay, I'm through with that. I don't want to talk to a preacher today. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Some of you staff members, you ever, I love just kind of just saying, I'm Reggie. And then when we go through things and they let things come out and all of that, then maybe later on I might go back and just say, hey, I am a pastor, by the way. It's kind of fun sometimes, you know, and you can see them shrink back into there. But <clears throat> sometimes we express our identity in those ways. We all have an identity. you got to have an identity. When we were traveling, we flew from Dallas to Denver. They would expect us to present our proof of identity, our identification. Uh, And, of course, for us, what we did since we had the kids with us, we just took our passports. It was just easier to do that. That way I could show them these are actually my children. They would still ask them, like, who is that? And, of course, my kids got it right. That's my daddy. I was really concerned about that a time or two. But um, they would want to know, like, your identity. There was a lady that was flying back and she was going through security about the same time we were and she had lost her identity. And what oh, what a scene that was causing because she was going to get on that plane, but they were determined not to let her on that plane because she didn't have an identity. We all have an identity. But you know what Paul says in Colossians 3 is that our identity is not just familial. It's not functional. Rather, it is found in Jesus Christ. In other words, when I tell you who I am, what I really need to tell you is I'm in Christ. Now, I love being Southern Baptist. I wrote an article about it. Very thankful for our Southern Baptist family. Uh, and we want to pray for our Southern Baptist denomination as they meet in convention this week. I'm not going. I've been going enough. But, Brother Jacob, they headed out after the services this morning. They're there, grateful for them. Dave's going to be heading out. I think I saw him come in earlier and there are others that will be there. I'm grateful for that. But you know what? I don't find my identity just in my denomination. As much as I love my fellow Southern Baptist, I'm not just identified by being Southern Baptist. I'm not just identified by being a Bridges as much as I love my family. I'm not identified simply as a pastor. My function, my true identity is the Lord Jesus. He has done a work in my life. And he is the one that I find my source, my strength, and my identity in. That's what Paul says. And he says, if you find your identity, then in Jesus, you put off all the old stuff. That's what Brother Dale talked to you about. You put off the old and you put on the new. You put off all those old things of life. And there's an old nature about you. I mean, you struggle with it. I struggle with it. But he says, you put those things off and you put on the new. So this afternoon, I went into my closet and I looked around and I couldn't find any of my old, old coats. And then my wife admitted that she had given all of those away. So pray for our marriage. All right. Just kidding. Just kidding. You might ought to pray for it now. (laughs) But I found the oldest one that I could. This coat that I have on tonight. It it is an older one that I had. And obviously, it really, really doesn't go with what I've got on. My white pants and all. It really doesn't. I mean, I saw a couple of you when you came in and I stood up here to pray. You weren't praying with me earlier. You were kind of, oh. Goodness, what has he got on? I could there are a couple of you. Don't act like a couple. I've I've had them in every church, you know. Every church. A guy in Zachary told me one time, said, You're buying off the rack again, aren't you? (laughs) Wow, is there any other place to buy a suit? I mean, you always buy off the rack, right? But some of you probably looking like that is not a good-looking coat. He look so nice this morning. But this evening, I don't know what happened. He must have like slept longer and just ran over here. And you know, it's not as a good coat. I mean, you look at it, it; doesn't really go with things. And it it it's it is a little older, and there are certain spots on it. Uh, there's actually like a little place here. It's like a little hole or something. If you could see it. Um, now I may break it back out around winter or so. But at this case, you can tell it's it's just not as nice of a coat. And you know what I did notice? It's harder to button. (laughs) I did notice that, Les. I'll walk with you tonight, baby. I promise you. promise you. But it's old. And you know, there's some things in our life, like we wore certain things and we went around with certain things on us before Christ. There comes a time when you just like take it off. You say, you know what? This is not who I am. This is not making me look good Before the Lord, it's not delightful to him, so I just take it off. I just put it off. That's what I see in those first few chapters that Dale talked about. All those attitudes and all those actions that are not pleasing to Christ, that don't even identify with him, because remember again, you're in him. And that's not like Christ. So you put those things off. But what do you do? You don't just put it off, you put it on. So... I brought back my coat, the one I had on this morning that I got a bunch of compliments on. I do like that. Words of affirmation, my love language. So I got this on, and people told me, and said, man, you look sharp. Uh, except everybody except Skip Stinson. He asked me about if I was a car salesman or so. But otherwise, <laughs> everybody else, those of you that I, again, trust and love, you, he uh, said, this looks so nice, and it is. This a nice. I mean, it is a nice coat. Where did I get this coat, Dale? Rome, Italy. And I don't know why you didn't get one. I tried to get him to get one. He is one of the tightest guys. I hope you got that debit card away from him because he. <clears throat> it is a nice, nice coat. It's a nice one. It looks good. This is what I need to be wearing. Hey. They certain attitudes and actions you need to be wearing. It makes you look better. It delights the Lord. Why? Because you should so, show the excellency in who you are because of who he is. If he is the excellent Christ that we say that is worthy of our worship, then our lives should refl- reflect his excellency. That's what he's been saying. Put off, put on. And now to my part that I've been assigned this night by the pastor of this church. And that is, there are times we put up. What do I mean by that? Look in verse 12 again. Pick up where John uh, spoke to you with this verse last week. He and I were going to overlap just a little bit. But verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. See that? Put on these things. This is what you should look like. This this should be your character. This should be your attitude. But look in the context of verse 12 as it relates to verse 13. You're putting on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. What does he say? He says you need to put up with one another. You're in a church. You're in a congregation where you love people. And yes, it is difficult. I've spoken about this recently on Sunday mornings. It is difficult. The church can be a mess. It can be. I never want to try to put a picture out there to people that the church is perfect because we are not. Nor should we expect to be on this side of heaven itself because we are still human. We still have our personalities and our preferences and our issues. We all do. I have been in different churches now through the years and we have always had... Little this or a little that. Now, thankfully, here at Temple, and and I mean this seriously, some of you think I'm probably just saying it because of Temple. I have probably seen less contention and less conflict here at Temple than I have in any other church that I've been a part of. Leslie will tell you, and it is so nice to experience the peace of God. I'll talk about that more in a moment. But even Even at Canaan, I mentioned Canaan this morning. And I again had roughly 40 people there on average and 50 on high attendance. And you would think all of us could get along easily. Had four deacons. One deacon disliked another deacon greatly. And that dislike was mutual. And when I went into a meeting... If I mentioned something or somebody else mentioned something, the two of them would always disagree. Always. Didn't matter which side. If one said yes, the other said no. I had one deacon that didn't know what was going on half the time. He just sat in the meeting. He didn't know which way to go. He liked both of those two, but he just rode the fence. Thank God I had a chairman, Mr. Jack Smith. Mr. Jack was an old retired firefighter firefighter from Memphis, Tennessee. Lou Gehrig's had begun to take its impact upon his life when I got there. But even in his weakened state, even in his slurred speech, he commanded the respect of the deacons and the church. And how blessed I was to have Brother Jack as my first deacon chairman. That when we went through those difficulties, he could speak and he could bring peace. Some of you ministers who've been in those churches, you've probably seen it, probably experienced it. Every church has had an issue, every church. The church at Colossae. Hey, look at the New Testament churches. If you get to naming them, Corinth had issues. Philippi, the Philippian church, they got two ladies there, Euodia and Syntyche, that Paul calls out because they are causing all kinds of issues. Why? Because we are fallen creatures. And while we are trying to put on the new, guess what we do? We go back and we take it off for a little while and try to put back on the old stuff. We start trying to wear our old clothes And that's not what God intended. God intended for us to wear the new clothes and for us to have new attitudes and new life and to put up with one another. That's what I see here in this passage, bearing with one another. He says, you have to bear sometimes. You have to put up with it. When I was younger and I was coming up at Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church I just thought it was the nature of the church cycle that somebody's going to get mad and leave and certain things going to happen. That's just the way it was. We would always have about 20 people that would go to another church and then we'd have 20 people come into our church. It would be the same attendance almost always, but it would be different. people. There were a few of us that stayed around all those years, but not many. And I got thinking, well, this is the way church life is. no. Church life can be a place where we exemplify the life of Christ. And yes, we may disagree, but we put up with one another. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. My friends, I can bear with you. I don't always get my way. In the church's life, through the years, people would often think, oh, the pastor always gets his way. No, it's not like that. But you know what? I have been a part of some great churches. Leslie and I always talk about how they have always taken care of us, and we've had people who have loved us, every church that we've served. We got down a seminary in one point, and she looked over at me, and she said, you know, we haven't had the horror stories like these other people. You know, we haven't had the horror stories of eating peanut butter because you didn't have enough to get by during the week, or this peanut butter is pretty good, though by the way it's not a bad way to live we we didn't have the stories of this and that and i looked at her she told me that she said i kind of feel bad sometimes i said don't <laughs> don't be asking god to put those things on us you know we've been blessed we give, we're grateful we're thankful even through the difficulties even through the tough times and man there have been some i have shed some tears But oh, how it's worth it to bear with one another. How it's worth it not to give up on the church. How it's worth it not to give up on the people of God, but to bear with one another and to forgive one another. We forgive one another. He says, if anyone has a complaint against another, you forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave you. The big gap that existed between me and God. That big chasm because he was holy and I was anything but holy. That big chasm because he was the perfect one and I was a sinner above all sinners. That gap, that chasm was brought together because of the loving arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he hung on that cross, it was as though one hand extended to us while the other hand extended to the Father. And he reconciled us. He brought us together. We are forgiven. Don't ever forget that. I would never want everyone to know all of my sins and thoughts and difficulties and weaknesses. I would never want those things put on display because they initially, they separated me from a loving God. They were unholy, they were immoral. And yet, even while I was a sinner, Christ loved me. And he died on the cross for me. And when I came and I gave my life to him, he forgave me of all those sins. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he cast it as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers it no more. That is a beautiful, beautiful portrait of his forgiveness. He has washed us. He has cleansed us. And my friends, if he could forgive us of the things that we have done and the things that we have said and the things that we have thought, if, we can, if he can forgive us in all of his holiness, then I tell you that you and I ought to be able to look to our brother and sister in Christ and forgive them as well. It troubles me. It burdens me when I see unforgiveness. I I don't even know how to explain it. I don't even know how to try to reckon it in my Christian existence because I don't know how a believer, I don't know how a believer can harbor unforgiveness in his or her heart. And neither can Paul. Paul says, you put up with one another by bearing with one another And by forgiving one another. That's the place of the church. The repentance is there. You forgive them. They come and they ask. You forgive them. Forgiveness. It is an essential part of our identity in Jesus. Verse 14. But above all these things you put on love. Which is the bond of perfection. I go back to say that this idea of putting up with one another is because God has loved us and he hopes and he prays and he looks toward us, Jesus does, and he asks us to love one another as he has loved us. That there's a bond of perfection. There's a bond of completeness through love. Remember, what is the defining characteristic of the disciple? They will know you by your love for one another, right? That's the characteristic of every church. If they see the love in you that you have with one another, they will know that you are mine because you've loved each other. You love as Christ loved. Uh, Years ago, I had a young man to come and speak to our deacons. We had a deacon retreat there at Zachary, and he came over from Greensburg, Louisiana. His name was Bo Rice. On faculty at New Orleans Seminary. Bo came over and he and I had been friends for quite a while and he he spoke about a new commandment that Jesus gave, the commandment to love. And he talked about a different standard that Jesus gave. I'd never really put it in my mind like this before. But you know, usually you say, love, one, love others as you love yourself. Like you, you want to love others as you love yourself and love your neighbor and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's all there in the Old Testament, but Jesus ramped it up. Jesus gave us a new standard. He, he actually told us that we ought to love others as he loved us. That's a greater love than our love for ourselves, our love for... That, that's a much greater... It's a supreme type of love. It's a different standard. Jesus, again, loved us while we were sinners. Usually we love people because of what they do or how they look or what can happen in their lives and what can happen in our lives. But Jesus, we all... Folks, we offer the God of the universe nothing. Our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. And he still loved us. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And if he loves us that way, we ought to love others with that same standard. Because that is the perfect bond. The complete bond. And then he says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. You see how this all goes together? Hopefully you bear with one another. It's the love that you have for one another. And it's the peace that will rule in your hearts. I I love, I love when my heart is ruled by peace. When it is, when peace is the umpire that makes the call in our hearts and lives. And you can say you can be at peace especially as one body. So let me come back to this. I say again that five plus years, I've seen more peace and more unity in Temple Baptist Church than I've seen in probably any other church that I've been a part of. What do we do? One, we be thankful. Don't you ever miss that. You and I should get on our knees and thank God all the time that he has protected this body of believers. Because I'm going to tell you, Satan will do anything he can to bring conflict and dissension within the brotherhood, within the family of God. He'll do it because he'll love, he'll love to cause dissension so that it will mar our testimony to this community. So we are to be thankful. We're one body with the people of God and he has given us unity be thankful now he didn't exactly say this here maybe he did and some of his characteristics he noted or attitudes but let me just say this we need to always be on guard we're thankful but we're always on guard and we will guard the unity of this church we will put off the old maliciousness we will put on the kindness, humility, long-suffering. We will do that because we are being on guard to protect the unity of this church. I've often said that it comes from staff. It comes from deacons. I think the deacons, those of you who are deacons here, you've heard me say this over and over. You are responsible for the unity of Temple Baptist Church. Where do I get that from? Acts chapter 6 Acts 6, when they had dissension among the widows, what did they do? They turned to the deacons to take care of the issues so that the unity of the church was protected. They did it by serving. I think that's the main way. But even beyond the deacons, you and I, all of us as believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to protect the church. There are about three things in life you don't talk about. You don't talk about my wife. You don't talk, not, let me say this. You don't talk negatively about my wife. You don't talk negatively about my kids. You don't talk negatively about my church. I told you a few weeks ago that I believe this is the best church around. That's not knocking in other churches in our community. Their pastors ought to think they are pastoring the best church around. Why? Because I love this church so much and I'm committed to it. And I think it is the best that I could ever envision. We ought to be thankful and we ought to do everything we can to protect the unity. So let me say to you again, and I, and I say this in a midst of peace and harmony, right? I preached that message a couple of weeks ago. Some of you remember that? The one I, the one I preached on like division among The missionaries, a few of you are. See, that's okay. I can just go back and preach that stuff again. You never even know. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings, not badly anyway. Um, I preached that and it was on television. Somebody texted me from down South Louisiana. They had seen it and they said, Hey, praying for your church don't know what you're going through right now. I said, Well, brother, that's fine. I said, everything's great right now. That's when you preach these messages and <laughs> is great, you know, awesome. So I tell you tonight, everything's great and everything's awesome. But still, it is a challenge for us to put up with one another through the love of the Lord Jesus, forgiving one another and seeing his love complete in the body of Christ. That is what God's word is to us. Put off, put on, and put up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for these moments together. And Lord, I do. Lord, I do say thank you for the congregation you've given us here that has experienced peace, that has experienced unity. And I pray that you would further that spirit among us so that the love that we demonstrate to one another would be a love that reflected your son, the Lord Jesus. There would be a change in our lives. There would be a change in our community. Father, we love you tonight. And we thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Father, we thank you for your salvation, your forgiveness. We pray that we would be vessels of grace and mercy to those who come around us. We pray it now in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we have this hymn of invitation?